God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of God. Would you stand with me this morning as I read the word of the Lord into your hearing? I, I don't know. I, I must say that today, this week, heaven has been on my mind. And I, not that I feel that I'm going to die anytime soon. Lord willing, I don't think that is going to happen. But I, I, I've been burdened for heaven. I've been burdened for the rapture of the church. And I've been this week preparing my heart and making sure that I'm ready to meet him. Never has there been an urgency as there is right now. And I will dare to say never have we been any closer to the coming of the Lord than we are right now. I heard it preached as a kid. I've heard it since I was, some would say, knee-high to a grasshopper. I've heard it preached time and time again. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Now, 38 years later, we're still declaring that the Lord is coming. So that must mean that we are a lot closer today than we were back then. And Can you imagine with me for a moment what it's going to be like? When we stand before God and we hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. The Bible declares that heaven is going to be a great place, that there's going to be no more sickness. There's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more death, no more tears of sorrow, no more hurt, no more struggles. And suddenly the things that we faced here on earth that we thought would just get the best of us and would take us out are suddenly going to be just thrown away and cast to the side because we will forever be with the Lord. One, wrote, one writer wrote a song and it said this, What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon His face, the one who saved me by His grace. And when He takes me by the hand and He leads me through the promised land. Then He said, What a day, what a glorious day. That will be, and I will stand today and dare to say it's not going to be just a glorious day. It's not going to be just a perfect day, but it's going to be a glorious eternity for those that have made themselves ready. It's going to be a, a glorious eternity for those that have chosen to live their life for the Lord. We will forever be with the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, one verse of Scripture into your hearing that I would like to read, Matthew 25. In verse number 13, the word of the Lord simply says this, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. The Bible gives us heed and gives us warning. Matthew writes it under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost when he says, Watch therefore. He said, Be vigilant. Don't slumber, it's not time to sleep, but it's time to watch because you don't know the day and you don't know the hour when the Lord is going to come. And I want to preach to you, and I'm sorry if it may seem a little heavy this morning, but I'm burdened in my heart. Never have I been so burdened in my entire life, I don't believe, when I've stood behind a pulpit. But I want to preach to you on this simple subject and this simple thought this morning, the trumpet is about to sound. The trumpet is about to sound. And I don't know about you this morning, but I want to make sure that I'm ready when the trumpet sounds. Would you raise your hands all across the building this morning? And would you ask God to speak into your life and ask God, oh Lord Jesus, if there's anything in my life that would keep me from being ready, wouldn't you call, Lord, help me to remove that today? Oh God. Help us to be ready. Help us to be ready when you call. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You may be seated this morning. The Lord has purposely withheld the time of his return. And many may question why with so much turmoil in the world. And allow me some leeway when I say that I believe that the first and possibly the most accurate reason is because the church hasn't done her job of evangelizing the world as we have been commissioned to do. And the second reason 
that I believe that Christ has withheld the time of His coming is to keep His people in a state of watchfulness. You won't find anywhere in your Bible that the Lord says, be ye always figuring, or be ye always trying to calculate the day and the hour of my return. You won't find in this precious book, in this Word of God, where He tells us, try to find out the name of the Antichrist and who He is going to be. But you will find in this precious book the words, Be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man is coming. Therefore Jesus said in Luke chapter 31 and verse 36, Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. What he is saying is, Watch ye therefore that you be able to escape the judgment that I'm going to bring upon the earth. And, and, and don't fool yourself this morning. There is judgment coming upon this world. Never has the world been in the shape that it's in. And never has the world been as godless as we are today. And never has there been a time when the world has been in such sin and wrapped up in such sin and turmoil than we are today. When is it going to happen? I don't know. I can't tell you that. When is it going to happen? I'm not sure, and I wouldn't even try to tell you this morning. But there is coming a time of apocalyptic happenings according to the book of Revelation that will make the 150,000 to 200,000 lives that were lost in the devastating earthquake in Haiti back in the year of 2010, it will simply make it look like a Sunday school uh, class, a, ki a kindergarten Sunday school class. And I, and I don't know about you this morning, but I want to make sure that I'm ready when God calls me. I want to be counted worthy to stand before Jesus Christ. I want to be counted worthy to escape the horrible tribulation and trials that are coming. That when you read uh, the book of Revelation, well, someone may say this morning, well, I, I like reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, I, I do too. I do too. They're uplifting, and I like to read the accounts that are recorded there. Or some may say, I like reading the epistles, and, and I want to say that I do too. But there is also a book of Revelation that records everything that is going to happen when he comes, as well as what will happen after he comes. He said, there would be a time that you will know my mercy. And he said, there will be a time that you will know my grace, and I believe that we're living in that day, and I thank God for His mercy and grace. But then he said there is coming a day when the vials or the woes or the tribulations of the world are coming, and there's going to be those that are counted worthy, those of us that will be raptured up and stand before Christ. Then he says, you want to miss the judgment that is coming upon this world. And then he says, therefore... Watch and pray and pray and pray. In Matthew chapters 24 and 25, in Mark chapter 13, and in Luke chapters 13 and 21, all three Gospels record what we call the Olivet Discourse of Jesus. It's the Mount of Olives. It's, 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 the, it's the, the message on the Mount of Olives. And then the author of the fourth Gospel, John, talks about the discourse that is so powerful when he talks about the comfort, comforter or the Holy Ghost. The one that Jesus would abide, send to abide with us forever and would do for us in his, his absence that, that which he would do for us if he were here with us physically present in this day. And then John gives us Jesus' words, some of the most powerful Words that you will ever read in the Word of God. And he said in John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I would, li- I would have to be a fool, and you would have to be foolish, considered foolish to ignore what God has given us, to ignore the warnings of the times to come that God has given us in His Word. When you look at Matthew 24 and 42, Jesus gives us a very strong and urgent warning when He says, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Matthew 24, 36 through 42, But the day... But of the day and hour knoweth no man, no, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. Then he goes on to say, But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then he says, Here is what will happen. And he gives us Matthew 24, verses 40 through 42. And he says, Then shall two be in the field. And the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord come. Then in Matthew 25 and 13, our text which I read to your hearing this morning, Jesus warns us and gives us such a powerful warning when he says, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now the solemn warning that follows those words is a parable. And that is a parable that most, if not all of us, are very familiar with. It is the parable of the ten virgins of which five were wise and five were foolish. I would like to stop and pause for just a moment and say something regarding all ten of them. The Lord classified all ten either as being wise or as being foolish. But I would like to classify for just a moment all ten of them together before we separate them because they were all virgins. The Bible says that they all slept. The Bible tells us that they all had lamps. And the Bible then tells us that they all went forth to meet the bridegroom. They all heard the call. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Hear me this morning. This part of the Olivet Discourse goes beyond the signs of the disciples. It deals with an awesome fact that they who are were ready for the rapture, went in with him to the marriage, then the Bible says that the door was shut. You notice that the five wise had oil to spare because the Bible tells us that the five foolish virgins asked them for some oil. They had lamps, and undoubtedly though, they had lamps that had oil in them because they woke up, the Bible tells us, And then they noticed that their light had gone out. But the wise said, he may not come yet, but we only have a lamp, but we have a vessel that is full of oil should our light start to go out. And what I want to say this morning is that if he doesn't come tomorrow, if he doesn't come next week, I still have an extra vessel with me. I still have a little oil with me. I have some extra oil that I can keep pouring into my lamp to make sure that my light doesn't go out. So that when the Lord does come, and hear me, He will come. But that when He does come, my light will be shining. The Bible says, let your light so shine. We are the church and we have been called. We have been chosen. We have been commissioned to be a light in this world. We have been charged with the awesome responsibility of taking the light of Christ to a dark world. God, let our light become a beacon in this dying, dark, and lost world. He said that the door was shut. It was like the gangplank that would have dropped back in the days of Noah. 
when they were locking, when they were knocking at the door of the ark, and they were screaming and they were begging, saying, Lord, open up the door and let us in. But the Lord said, Sorry, but I know you not. There are two facts that I want to bring to your attention regarding the five foolish virgins. There are two facts that no theologian can debate. There are two facts that no matter what denomination you may belong to, that no college seminary or or scholar could ever argue with. And the, the two facts are simply the foolish virgins took no extra oil with them. And the Lord told them, I know you not. This is a scripture that goes beyond debate. It is a scripture that is not separated by doctrines of individual churches, but it is simply stated by the Lord in scripture. They didn't take their oil and they knew not the hour of His coming. Oil is symbolized in the Bible as the Holy Ghost. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, the Lord said, you are none of mine. What he is saying in his scripture that if you don't have the Holy Ghost, if you don't have my oil on the inside, if you're not living for me and you have not made your calling an election sure, when I come, I will not know you. You are none of His if you don't have His Spirit living on the inside. He said, I know you not. That is why it is important that before you leave this building this morning that you make sure and you know without a shadow of the doubt that the Spirit of Christ is residing in your life because if the Spirit is not in you, Jesus said that you have no part with Him. I'm sorry to be so heavy to preach such a heavy subject this morning. It's not what I necessarily wanted to preach, but I felt an urgency in the Spirit. What these two statements, with these two statements rather, Jesus warns us a warning to those who hear the midnight cry, a warning of even those who go out to meet Him. They took no oil. Oil is a very precious commodity. The Holy Ghost, having the Spirit of God in your life is a very precious commodity. Oil is the important factor. Oil is what you got to remember. Oil is the badge that gains us entrance. Oil is the password for us to enter in. If you have no oil, then he said that you are none of his. You cannot make it if Jesus Christ does not dwell in your heart and in your life. If Christ is not living inside of you, you will not be a part of the rapture of the church of the living God. Do you think that he's going to change his mind? Do you think that he's going to make some allowances? I dare to say not. I don't think so. I wouldn't take a chance on leaving this place today unless I knew that Jesus Christ was in my life through the power of the Holy Ghost. I would not leave this building this morning without the Spirit of God residing in my life. I wouldn't care. I don't, wouldn't care what I had to do. I wouldn't care how much time it took me. I don't care what it would cost me. There is no price too great that is worth me losing my soul for. I've got to make sure that there is oil in my lamp when the bridegroom comes calling. I don't know when I've stood in a pulpit and delivered a more urgent message. I'm pleading with someone today. I'm urging someone this morning. I have a heavy burden. I have as heavy a burden as I have ever had when I walk to any pulpit this morning. And that burden is, is if you are hearing the midnight cry, even if you're going out to meet Him, even if you go to church, even if you've been saved for 40 or 50 years, even if you go 
through the motions. Today I'm pleading with you. Today I'm begging you, standing up on behind this pulpit this morning, make sure that you're full of oil. Make sure that you're full of the Holy Ghost before you leave this place. Make sure that you get refilled with the Holy Ghost today. It's the greatest decision that you could ever make. Make sure that you have oil in your lamps and in your vessels this morning. We need to linger. I'm so thankful for the, for the program that Brother Heron brought to us. And I'm so thankful for those that are praying through the tabernacle. And I'm, I, I'm thankful for the steps when I come up to the, the house of God. And I, I spend my mornings praying. And I, I, I go by each uh, piece of furniture in the tabernacle and then when I go to the altar when I start to lay myself on that altar and I start repenting for all my sins and I say God I've got to crucify my flesh today listen we need to linger a little longer at the altar don't be the first one to run out when pastor says service is oil but we need to linger in the presence of the Lord I'm making an all out cry to everyone that is under the sound of my voice this morning a cry that that says, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Prepare ye to meet him. I'm telling this church this morning, as sure as my name is Daniel Idol, there is a day coming. Christ is going to give Gabriel the go-ahead, and the trumpet of God is going to sound. And then the Bible tells us that the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be called up to meet the Lord in the air. And I scream it to you as loud as I can this morning. The trumpet is about to sound. The hand is about to strike midnight. Time is almost over. The sands of the hourglass of this dispensation are about to run out. And God's going to step out on a cloud of glory. And Gabriel's going to blow the trumpet. And it's going to be a loud and it's going to be a clear call. And if you have not made yourself ready, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm sorry, sir. But the Lord says, you will have no part with me. But I want to make sure that before I leave this place this morning, that I have spoken tongues and I have gotten full of the Holy Ghost and that my heart is ready should the Lord come calling today. Whether it's by way of rapture or by way of grave. Whether it's by a sickness that comes in my life or a car accident that takes place and my life is snuffed out, I want to make sure that I'm ready. Whether he calls me home or Sister Amanda comes and picks me up in her vehicle someday, I want to make sure that I'm ready should the Lord come calling me. Now, some of you didn't get that analogy. She's our county coroner, so you'll get it later on this afternoon. I want to make sure, I'm going to make sure it's the most important thing that I can do in life. I want my family to be saved. I want my wife and my boys to be saved. But before I can make sure that they're saved, i got to make sure that I'm right with the Lord. Because when, because when He comes calling, there's no excuse that's going to be good enough. When we stand before God and He reads an account of our life and what we did and what we didn't do, we're not going to be able to come up with an excuse that's good enough for Him to say, well, that's okay, I'll go ahead and pardon you. But we've got to make sure that our life is ready at all times because when we stand before God then time is no more and it's too late and if you have not made your life ready you haven't made your heart ready then it's going to be too late for you ma'am it's going to be too late for you sir but I want to make sure today before I leave this building and I want to make sure that I'm saved and full of the Holy Ghost somebody clap your hands to the Lord today I want to tell this church, not as your pastor, but as your assistant pastor this morning, I want to tell this church, and I want to tell tonight this choir that's going to stand on this platform, I want to tell the praise team that led us in worship today, I want to tell every ministry leader, every Sunday school teacher, 
I want to say to every mom, to every dad, to every elder and young person alike that it's lamp trimming time. You need to make sure that the wick isn't too old. They had to make sure that of that in the tabernacle. They had to make sure that the light, the fire never went out. You need to make sure that your lamp, that the lamp of your tabernacle isn't putting off some black smoke. That means that your wick is not clean, that your heart is not clean. But you need to stop everything and clean it this morning. You need to tend to it this morning. You need to make sure that you've got fresh fire in your soul. You need to make sure that there's something burning on the inside of your soul this morning. You need to make sure that the cares of this life haven't watered down your fire to the point that your fire has gone out. But you better make sure that you're ready to meet the Lord should He give the cry today. I want to tell somebody this morning it's not easy. And you'll understand what I'm about to say. And I will, I will clarify it. It's not easy to be a watchman on the wall. I thank God for a watchman like our pastor. I thank God for a watchman that he is placed into this church to watch over us and to sound the alarm when he sees danger on the horizon. I'm close enough to know, close enough to him to know, that it's not always easy for pastor to stand behind this pulpit when he knows what he has to preach and what he has to say may upset someone. And when he warns someone, don't go there. Stay away from that. You're playing with fire. But he has an obligation to this congregation. And I thank God for my pastor. And I think we ought to stop and take a moment and thank God for our pastor. I know he's not here this morning. I know he's ministering in Illinois, but I thank God for him. And even though I'm not your pastor, I have been chosen, however, and I am privileged to serve as your assistant pastor. And maybe not to the extent of the pastor, but I too have a responsibility and an obligation to this congregation, just like I have a responsibility and an obligation to my family. And that is to keep you awake in this last day and as, as time is running out. And my obligation is to help keep you watching. It is to keep you praying in the Holy Ghost. It is to help make sure that you're staying full of the Holy Ghost, to keep you unspotted from the world. And it is to keep you drunk on the Spirit and not intoxicated in the world. It's to keep you separated from this world. It is to help the to help keep the world out of your life. It is to keep the philosophies of the world out of your life and to keep your minds stayed on Jesus, to keep your life grounded in the Word of God. It is my responsibility it lays partially on my shoulders, not to the extent of pastor, but it is a responsibility that God has charged me with. And I want to stand in this pulpit this morning as helping to fulfill my obligation to this church and to you and to your families. You know not the hour that the Lord is coming, so watch and pray. Be vigilant. Be always looking. Be always listening should the Lord call us it's not easy maybe you think it is but I, I I I disagree with you this morning it's not easy to preach such a message as I am this morning when I know that there are many who are sitting in this service and sitting in this building and forgive me I don't mean to point my finger at anybody and I'm not pointing my finger at any single person this morning but it's not easy to preach such a message when I know that many do not even believe what I am preaching to you this morning. I know that there are some who really don't believe that the rapture of the church could take place today. Many of us say we believe, but in truth, we really don't believe that today could be the very day. If we really believed that the Lord could come today or tomorrow, and we really understood the judgment that was coming, it would change our lives forever. It would change the way that we looked at life. And this morning, that is what I have come to tell you. 
I'm just going to sound the alarm this morning. You may leave here and go back to your same old routine. You may go back to your life that is uh, just for a mere meager existence. But I am lifting my voice and I am shouting with a burning heart and I'm telling you this morning I don't know if it's going to be in five years. I don't know if it's going to be in 500 years or in the next 50 minutes but I will declare to you that somewhere in the very near future I feel the trumpet of the Lord is going to sound and the bride, the church and those that have made themselves ready are going to be called up to meet Jesus in the air and today I'm here to declare that I'm going to make my call an election sure. I'm going to make sure that I have oil in my lamp and I'm going to make sure that I'm ready to meet Him. I don't care if I have to stay at this altar all afternoon. I don't care how many times I have to throw myself on the altar day after day. And I don't care how painful it becomes because there's nothing in this world. There's no, there's no possession. There's no pride. There's no haughtiness that is worth me losing my soul over. I don't care if it's pride that you've allowed to creep into your life, but today you need to cut that off. You need to cut it off at the knees and say, I'm not going to allow anything to stand before me or to stand between me and making sure that I make it to heaven. I preach, I like to preach feel good messages. I like knowing that at the end of a message, I have uplifted the church and I like knowing that I have helped. Build your faith. But when I look back at the ministry of Jesus, and as I was studying for this message, and I look back at the ministry of Jesus, he really wasn't a feel-good preacher. He wasn't some TBN preacher that only preached prosperity and told everyone to just pray and accept the Lord as your personal Savior. He wasn't all about making people just feel good. But he preached more. Here's what I found startling, and it, and it just floored me in my study. Jesus preached more about hell than he did any other subject. He was a man who said, get your life together. He was a man who said, get your heart right. He's a man that said, I'm going to be first in your life or I'm going to be nothing at all. I don't want your leftovers, but I want absolutely everything that you have to offer. And what I'm telling this church is not that the rapture is going to take place in the next five minutes. Don't misunderstand me this morning. But I'm trying to make you realize that Jesus must become first in your life, not your bank account. Not your stock portfolio, not your 401k, none of that matters when you stand before God. But the most important thing in your life is that you are ready to meet Him when He comes. Make sure that there is oil in your lamp. I want to be right with God. I want everything in my heart right. I want everything right in my soul. I want everything right in my spirit. I want to be right ready to meet Him when He calls me. I'm so burdened this morning. I'm so burdened this morning. I received a call. I don't see him here this morning. I received a call late Thursday night from Ron Barker. I received that call just minutes after the, the doctor came into, do, into the emergency room and told his mother, that she had a cancerous mass in her stomach. I left my house Thursday night at about 9.30 to drive over to Lafayette to have prayer for sweet Mrs. Barker. But listen to me this morning. When the doctor's report comes in and says it's cancer, or it says you don't have very long to live, then suddenly your money and your possessions don't matter. I'd like to go back right now and talk to my grandmother and pick her brain about when she got the call from the doctor and said, you have cancer. 
I would like to go back and discuss with her grandma what, at that moment what was really the most important thing in your life. When you knew what the report was and you knew what was coming down the road, what did you deem the most important thing in your life? What your last name at that is at that point really doesn't matter. Whether you're the President of the United States or you're the homeless man living on the streets really doesn't matter at that moment. Whether you are popular or ran in all the right social circles in life really at that point will not matter. But all that matters is that your soul is right with God. All that matters is that you are ready to meet Him when He calls. What if the doctor this morning, humor me today, what if the doctor were to tell you this morning that you only had seven days to live? What if the doctor called me tomorrow and said my time was short? i tell you what would happen. I wouldn't be worried with how much money I had in the bank. But I would be making sure that I didn't have all against my brother or my sister. I'd be making sure that I ask forgiveness for those that I've hurt. And ask forgiveness of those who I have done wrong to. I would be making sure that my heart was right. I would make sure that my spirit and my life were right before God. And I'm telling you here that there is something far more important than what a doctor is telling you. I'm talking today about eternity. And the only way to have eternal life is to have the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you. The Bible says that that will quicken your mortal body when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound. Jesus has already given us a set time to live. God has already told us that we don't have very long. Mark 13, 32 and 33. But of that day... And that hour knoweth no man, no, not, the, not even the angels in heaven, neither the Son of Man, but the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for ye know not what time He is come. He said, I am coming in an hour that you do not know. And He said to be watching should He return. He didn't say to go and let someone, somebody tell you about the Antichrist and who the Antichrist is. But he said that no man knows the day nor the hour. So I'm telling you to just pray. And I'm telling you to just watch because you know not the hour. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be next year or next week. could be next year. It could be five years from now. But live your life as though you don't have very much longer to live. Live your life today like it's your last day because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Mark 13, 35, 37, and I quickly draw to a close. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not the... Not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight, or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all. Then he says, watch. Be careful, lest he come and find you sleeping. For what I say unto you, he said, I say unto all. What I say unto you, I say to Pastor Danny, and I say to Pastor Jordan, and I say to Bishop, what I say unto you, I say unto everybody. Watch, because you don't know when I'm going to come. Watch and listen and pray. He may come today. He may come tomorrow. It may be in 2015. It may be 2020. But God, I am going to be looking for you. And I'm going to be watching. And I'm going to be listening. I'm going to make sure that my life is ready when you come calling me. I close this morning. Luke records Jesus' sayings in chapter 21, verses 34 through 36. And Luke records, Take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness 
and the cares of this life. So that, so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Verse 36, watch ye therefore. How many times does he have to warn us in his word for us to get it this morning? Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I want to say one thing that is very important this morning. And I say it to all of us, me included. If Jesus' own words that I've read to you out of this holy book, if His words are not a warning to us, then I dare to say that we are hopeless. If these words that I've read to you and I've preached about this morning... Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Watch ye therefore, for you don't know the hour. These words are not a warning to us. Then we're hopeless. If the words of Matthew, Mark, and Luke are not a wake-up call to us, then we are in an unescapable slumber. Anything that robs you of your watchfulness. Anything that robs you of your prayerfulness. Anything that robs you of moment by moment expectancy of the Lord's return is a thief and it is a robber. And it is out to destroy you. And yes, I will go so far as to say that it, it is sin. Because He is not coming for a people who are not looking for Him. But He is coming for a church that has made herself ready. And so I stand before you and tell you that anything that is stealing your watchfulness and anything that is stealing your prayerfulness. You have allowed into an area of your life where it doesn't belong. So I'm calling us as a church body to accountability this morning. And I'm calling us to a new zeal in Christ. We are to live hour by hour. We are to live watching and praying, and working, and occupying until He comes. But you say, well, I have a job to do, Pastor Danny. I have a family to take care of. I've got things that I have to get done in life, and I do too. I do too. We all have things that we have to do. Now, I'm not saying that we hide ourselves away just waiting for His return, for the rapture. Because Jesus said, you are in the world, but you are not of the world. We live here, but we are not of here. You still have to go to work with the atheists and the infidels. And you still have to go and witness to them about Christ. And you still have to be around vile people. But he said that while you are there, you ought to be so living a life that when some man or some woman looks at you, they say, there's Jesus Christ. There's somebody that I want to pattern my life after. There's somebody that I want to walk like. There's somebody I want to spin and I want to speak into my life. We should get up every day saying, if the trumpet sounds today, I will be somewhere listening. I will be watching. I will be looking. I will have oil in my lamp, in my fire burning should He come today. Would you stand with me this morning? I remember as a kid, from the time I can remember, 
hearing my grandfather preach messages. Oh my Lord, how scared I would get when he would preach on the coming of the Lord. And he would say back then, 30 some years ago, the Lord's coming. He's coming. He's coming. The men of old that are starting to pass off this scene, they used to stand up and proclaim, He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Make sure you're ready. Heard it time and time again, and I have to stand in this pulpit and repent and tell you honestly that there have been times where I've rolled my eyes and thought, well, I've heard it all my life. But the fact of the matter is, Brother Jerry, one day he's coming. One day the trumpet is going to sound. I fear that the 21st century church well, I fear that in, excuse me, the 21st century church, that we have lost the attitude of watching and looking and waiting and praying and anticipating the coming of the Lord. But I tell you today that the trumpet is soon to sound. Get your life in order. Make sure things are ready because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. We read the apostolic commission and Jesus' final words that are found in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And when, they, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And why they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel angels of the Lord and they which they also said ye men of Galilee why stand ye gazing up into heaven this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven but they were saying he will return in the same manner that he went away in a moment And in the twinkling of an eye, he's going to return. First John, John writes, but we know, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. John wrote the expectation of the coming of the Lord again. And he closes the book of Revelation with the same expectation that he wrote when he wrote, even so come, Lord Jesus. And then Paul gives us those great words, so shall we ever be with the Lord. So I am preaching to you that the next great event in biblical prophecy is the prophetic returning of Christ and the rapturing of the church. Every other biblical philosophy or prophecy, excuse me, has been fulfilled. I got on the internet, and excuse me for this long closing, but I want to say this. I got on the internet last night and I googled earthquakes taking place today. Because the Bible says that in the last day there will be earthquakes. Just one of the prophecies. And that brought up a list of literally hundreds of earthquakes that took place yesterday all around the world. And I would say probably some 20, 25 that took place in the United States yesterday alone. Prophecies have been fulfilled. There'll be perilous times. There should be wars and rumors of wars. He said, I, behold, I show you a mystery. The word mystery here means a previously unrevealed truth. So he said, behold, I show you a previously unrevealed truth. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It's the next prophetic event. It's the rapture of the church. 
when he determines it to happen, he will appear and we will meet him in the air. And those who have made themselves ready, and those that have prepared their hearts and lives will forever be with the Lord. So I stand one more time this morning, one more time, and these are my last words. I stand and declare, and I tell you to watch, and I tell you to pray, and I tell you to be ready that you may be accounted worthy and that you may be caught up with Him in the air. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning. And I'm sorry for such a heavy message. But I believe that this message negates a response today. I think that all of us, whether you're in your seat or you come to this altar, makes no difference to me whatsoever. But I think all of us ought to spend at least a few minutes in prayer, making sure that we are ready should He come. You've had the Holy Ghost for 50 years, good, God bless you, but you can still be lost. You can sit on a church pew every Sunday of your life and you can still be lost when God comes calling. You can still stand before God and God say, depart from me because I never knew you. I open this altar Respond however you see fit to respond this morning. Whether you want to come, whether you want to stay in the pew, that is up to you. But let's just take a few minutes this morning and let's make sure that we have prepared our hearts and our lives and our souls before we leave this building this morning.